Okay, in the interest of finding somewhere uh, hopefully out of the wind and where there isn't any risk of filming somebody who doesn't want to be filmed, I'm down here on the slipway at the harbour, just sharing with you a little bit from those verses that we heard read or kind of described to us. This is Matthew 13, so it's the third of five kind of distinctive speeches from Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. And this is important because what Matthew is doing in his Gospel is he's presenting a kind of curriculum for disciples. So having times when you just hear Jesus' voice talking is really important. And there's something else going on here as well. So Matthew's Gospel, we think, was written um, quite late in the first century. It's attributed to Matthew. Uh, and it was written from a part of the world where uh, Jews were arriving. Jewish people had been kind of scattered when the Romans marched into Jerusalem and wiped out big chunks of it uh, and scattered the people. They were fed up with Judea being a place of, of unrest uh, and terrorism. So where the disciples were gathered, uh, that those who were learning how to follow Jesus under Matthew's guidance, or at least the writer of this gospel's guidance, where they were, a whole bunch of Jewish people turned up, as they did all over the Roman Empire, because they'd been kicked out, they'd been scattered from Jerusalem, so they were looking for other places to be. And so the church that Matthew's gospel was written for found themselves with uh, quite possibly a, a whole new Jewish synagogue, or, or an existing one with a whole new extra bunch of people in it. Possibly, you know, across the street from where they were. And so there were some risks for that. The writer of Matthew provides his audience with a curriculum for following Jesus, partly because there's a whole bunch of, um, of knowledgeable Jewish people coming in and saying, this is how things are supposed to be. And the writer of Matthew wants to knock that on the head. He wants to challenge it. He wants to provide an answer to it. So, so this is what he does. He writes this curriculum. And it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to, to present something to your people as, as part of this sort of teaching tool, this curriculum guide, and without saying, uh, those guys across the road are heretics and you've got to ignore them. So what Matthew does is, is he writes very much uh, a gospel that has sort of a literary tone to it. It, it does what literature does. My, uh, my A-level English literature tutor, teacher, uh, when I was growing up, would say all stories really are about conflict. And certainly in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew does a good job of explaining that there is a conflict to be, to be identified and understood, and it's between the good news, the good news of the Kingdom of God, and those who would try and put um, limits around it, or, or put hurdles in front of it, or things like that. So in all these five discourses and all around them, you see an awful lot in Matthew of, of kind of conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are the ones saying it has to be like this. And Jesus is out, out there saying, no, it doesn't. So in Matthew 12, just before this passage, you've got quite a few instances of the Pharisees saying no and Jesus saying yes. And it's against that backdrop that we have this parable. Now I'm going to just take a step uh, away from that text for one moment and just to explain something. So the, the message of the kingdom is what is talked about here. So all that stuff with the, with the farmer going out and sowing seeds in his field, Jesus is wanting those seeds to be understood as the message 
of the kingdom. So we need to understand what he means by that message. It's quite a big bit of terminology. Now, I'm not going to try and do justice to all of what it might mean, but what I will say is this. The message of the kingdom is a message of future hope and present comfort. So when Jesus arrives on the planet, he says uh, the kingdom is here and is also going to come later. It's a now and not yet scenario. But that message, and the message is just as relevant for us today, even though we hear it in a very different culture, the message is there is hope. The message is none of the things that mess the world up are here to stay. They're all passing. They will all change. The message is that what Jesus did by coming and living, as well as what he did by dying and arising to life as well, what he did in all those things was demonstrate how things were supposed to be. Now God made the world and he had an idea of how it ought to be and then it got messed up and God could have scrapped it and started over again and actually he did that once but then he says I won't do that again I'm going to keep and keep and keep on showing people what it means to be with me what it means to be part of creation as it was supposed to be how how the kingdom oh, with God in it as king would work and so this is the thing this is the hope of the kingdom that there there need be no oppression there needs to be there doesn't need to be any slavery there doesn't need to be any um, any obstacles between us and god god intended us to dwell with him that was his intention from the start that's what creation builds to as its pinnacle is time to just be with god at rest so the good news is about freedom it's about freedom from all the things that make the world a mess. Some of those things are in our own heads and hearts, and some of them are brought to us by the world around us, by the people around us and by the circumstances, by the politics, by illness, by pandemic, but also by injustice, racial injustice, poverty, children not having enough to eat. All those things will be gone. Hope is an answer to all those things. Some of that has already started and some of it is still to come. That's the good news of the kingdom. And it's that good news that Jesus is talking about. Right? We know that Jesus has authority to talk about it, partly because Matthew describes to us that Jesus only needs to talk, he doesn't need to shout, and everyone hears his message. And that's partly because on a boat in that situation, the water and the hills amplified the voice didn't need to shout his voice just carries carries authority so then we get to actually the soils this is a parable about a farmer selling a seed but really it's a parable about what the soils are like and there are four of them one of them is the path so around the field you have places where people trod and the effectively you get paths sort of beaten into place and when the seed lands there it's easy pickings for birds. It's easily snatched away and taken up by something else. And that's people hearing stuff, but it goes in one ear out the other, or, or it bounces away. It's gonna happen. People are gonna respond like that to the message, this, this message of hope. Now, what else are we gonna have? Well, we're gonna have uh, the shallow soil, the stony soil. What they're talking about here isn't necessarily stone with lots of rocks in it, but stone where the bedrock is quite close to the surface. So there isn't a lot of depth to the soil talking about people who whose understanding is is shallow who, who aren't willing to 
dig around a little bit and, and see if they can put some roots down with this, this message of hope that they've heard. You've got the third, the, the thorns. I don't know if it's occurred to you before, but the thorny soil, or the soil with the thorns in it, isn't bad soil, it's good soil. It's just full, it's full of other stuff. It's, it's got loads in it, there's no room for this hope message to fit in. And, and the parable talks about worries, and it talks about wealth as being things that crowd out this good news message. And then the fourth one, the good soil. A, a, better, a better translation is kind of beautiful soil. And that's kind of where we want to be. But listen, these four soils, they're all realities of what people are going to do when they hear good news. It may be that you've never heard this good news before. It may be that you're with us with this service and this kind of message hasn't reached you before. Right, that's the case. I'm sorry that it hasn't. But I'm glad you're hearing it now. This message of hope is life-changing. It doesn't make the bad things go away. Christians aren't daft enough to think that it would. But it does offer hope for today and for the future. It does put us in, uh, in, in a place of safety. It doesn't mean that trouble won't come our way, but it means that we will know who looks after us in the grand scheme of things. But people will hear this message and they won't all accept it for different reasons. Just a few chapters earlier, chapter seven, Jesus has said, don't put pearls before pigs. Don't put beautiful things in front of those who aren't interested. And here again, we have Jesus saying, not everyone's gonna hear this message. They're not all gonna be interested. They're not all gonna buy it. And we should be reassured by this. So point one, the message is good news. The good news is hope for the future and a freedom from all the things that make the world a mess, including the things in our own heads and hearts. Point two, don't worry if people aren't up for it, if people don't accept the message. Don't give them a hard time about it. Don't beat them over the head. Don't browbeat them into accepting it. It's not your job. And actually, one of the things that's hurt the world the most is Christians being belligerent, insisting that people should be good soil, whether they want to be good soil or not. And point three, we have our own responsibility to keep ourselves as good soil. We don't stop needing to hear this message just because we, we've already chosen Jesus, if you have. If you've chosen to follow Jesus like I did all those years ago when I was six, brilliant. But don't stop being receptive. You still need to be teachable. You still need to be transformed. And that's what seeds do in the soil. They are transformed. But allow yourself to be teachable. Don't dig in so much that you can't grow anymore. So there we have it. Those are the three things. I'm gonna, gonna close in a moment with a prayer. But quickly, I just wanna say, if this message is new to you, if you've not heard it before, then I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to see if you might prepare yourself like good soil, that you might be receptive and be willing to live a new way, a way full of hope, a way full of um, optimism and joy, not because joy shuts out hardship but because actually those who experience the most hardship really understand how important and precious joy is and how it can be found in the middle of tough times think about it Archbishop Desmond Tutu Dalai Lama cheerful happy faces full of exuberance when you see them on the telly or 
or newspapers and they've suffered but they know what it is to find joy in the middle of struggle anyway I'm going to pray now I'm going to pray about being receptive and if this is the first time you've heard this message then do hear my words and if you're ready to say amen which means I agree and be willing to let Jesus come into your life hear the message of hope and be transformed by it let's pray Father, we thank you that Jesus came to bring us hope, to show us that the kingdom is available for all of us to be a part of. Would you keep us, uh, would you keep us receptive to the message of hope? Would you keep us receptive to the idea that there are things within our heads and hearts that need to change? And that as we accept this message of the kingdom, so you might start changing us to be the best that we can be, to be what you intended us to be, to, so that we might fulfil who you made us to be. Whether we don't know you yet, or we've just met you, or we've known you for years, would you keep our hearts receptive? Keep us good at listening for your voice. Amen. Right, we're going to coming towards the end of our time together, and we're going to sing again now.